Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Generation Red, the Kettle Corn of Husker Fan Podcast, where we try to be sweet. But at times we get salty. I am one of your hosts, Ken. And I am the other host host and uh, uh, critically acclaimed son. <laughs> and food meme aficionado, for sure. Yes. Uh, we're just going to have a little bit of fun tonight, folks. We really didn't have much of a game plan going into this week. But some news has come out, uh, most, most importantly, right from the get-go. Just over, it was Wednesday, I believe it was, when Trev Alberts made his, his uh, weekly appearance on Sports Nightly. They didn't, he announced the return of Frank Solich to Memorial Stadium for the spring game. And even teased a little bit that there might be something else involving Frank somewhere in the near future as well. So uh, I know you tweeted about it, Scott. So it grabbed your attention before it actually got to me. Yeah. Yeah. I just so happened to be scrolling on the Twitterverse and saw that the official Husker football page or Twitter handle, whatever, shared that that was the announcement was that he was going to be honored at the spring game. And literally the first thought that went through my head was the curse has <laughs> ended or is going to end. It is much needed, a much desirable uh, end to such a, in retrospect, obviously I was a young lad at the time, so I wasn't there to really consciously experience it. But living vicariously through the experiences of those older and wiser than me, that it was definitely one of those uh, those you, you didn't know what you had until it was gone type of right. situations. Um, yeah, and it's just, it, I mean, we're going to be there, so that's really exciting. And as long as they sacrifice Little Red at the 50-yard <laughs> line um, and pop that balloon, maybe, maybe truly we can get rid of the curse. But I think uh, honoring Frank Solich and what he did for this program is a good start. Absolutely. Uh, you just peaked. Uh, I saw earlier today, um, Zach from Church of the Corn had posted a meme, a GIF, an animated GIF of, <clears throat> excuse me, Frank Solich's face, like pasted over the face of Stone Cold Steve Austin from the WWE. And he's given a Stone Cold stunner to Little Red. <laughs> and, it's, and he said, if they don't do this in Memorial Stadium, there's something seriously wrong with the return of Frank Solich. I was laughing. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's a good thing. Maybe the curse will end. I don't know. I mean, when you, when you look back on our history, and I know you, as you said, you were a young lad. I remember having many a debate with other Husker fans who couldn't wait for Frank Solich to get out of town. Just couldn't wait. They were they were sick and tired of getting blown out um, by teams that were higher ranked. They were tired of some of the streaks that were starting to fall. And I'm sitting there going, you don't understand what we've got here. We're still winning 9, 10 games a year. So maybe he needs to figure some other things out to get over top of that hump that we haven't reached yet. But you can't, you can't flush the toilet on this guy. And we did. And what have we done for the last 25 years, aside from a few years under Pelini and maybe one or two under Riley and Callahan, we've basically sucked. So, you know, I've said it all along. We need to bring back Frank Solich. We also need to bring back Steve Peterson, Little Red, and sacrifice both of them at the 50-yard line <laughs> at some point, either at halftime of a game or maybe even at the spring game, and then all will be fixed because that's 
it's the curse of Frank. I'm not a superstitious guy, but it's not lost on me that we've basically sucked swamp water since he was fired. Yeah, and I think I think we bring the curse as a, as a Husker nation to Frank as well because yeah. you know this is a little tinfoil hatty here, but I've only ever seen one Frank Solich game in my entire life, and it was a bowl game in Louisiana, and mm-hmm. they lost. No, so, no, 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 no. They won. They no, won. They kicked the living As out of ULM. Yeah, that's what it was. Because <laughs> I was, I was cheering for ULM. Right. So that was the feeling of loss. Disregard. Cancel me. <laughs> burn me at the stake with little red. My bad. Well, you know, Never mind. it's okay. Well, I think we might have ended <sighs> up on ESPN too at that game because we were like the second row. I had my Husker sweatshirt and my Husker jacket on. I think you were in your LSU phase. So you had your LSU stuff on. So I think we got, got onto ESPN and a little bit of shit for it too, from other Husker fans. Cause I said, he might've seen my kid and I on ESPN, he was wearing LSU stuff. And somebody said, yes, I did see him. How dare you? You are an awful father. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The LSU phase was like, it was part and parcel with my like pseudo emo like phase right. that I went through. And it was just, I was such an eccentric <laughs> child. It was so weird, but yeah. I still like LSU. I got a soft spot for the Tigers. Go Tigers, you know? Uh, sure. But yeah, yeah. Crawfish. It's, you know what? Speaking of the Tigers as a, as a truck driver, it's been amazing just over the 16 years driving, going through that area numerous times how much the stadium has changed over the years uh mm. just they, they they enclosed what the one end so it's basically like a bowl now yeah i can't imagine how loud that place is that's oh, like a go bucket list Valley. football destination for me mm-hmm. i shoot i'd actually like to visit almost all the sec stadiums really i'd like to go to ole miss i'd like to go to alabama i'd like to go to auburn for the Iron Bowl, either one of those for the Iron Bowl, just oh, to experience so that, cool. or the Egg Bowl. God, that'd be so much fun. Oh yeah. So no, that, and it would be warmer than the crap we put up with in November. <laughs> so, yes. Um, well, I mean, I look forward to I look forward to with uh, with UCLA and and USC coming to town. I'm I'm I don't care what kind of hellscape California can be at times. I will go to California and I will go see a game. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly, I think it'll just be the funniest thing going to, let's say we have a home and home with, uh, with UCLA and we just fill their stadium when we're there. Oh, we would. I'd, oh yeah. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'd love it. I, I think that would just be. No, they said Stellar. it was about 50-50. What was that? 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we went down there. Yeah, the home and home. We had home. a home and home and with them, with them. And when Martinez was, Taylor was the quarterback. And I think it was 50-50 that night. Yeah. So, and they actually yeah. had a pretty decent team at that time. So, they and do a decent now too, fan base. Chip Kelly. but Now they don't care. Yeah. They don't care yeah. at all. True. true. A million things Absolutely to do in true. California, apparently. Tons of things. <laughs> Well, you know, um, we, it's been a while since we've done a show, just you and I. I mean, we did a couple yeah. of those Gen Red pods where we just kind of talked about simple, easy topics and whatnot. Not, nothing, nothing really related to Nebraska football as far as current news was concerned. But we did get to hang out with the Husker Cuzcast last week yes. or a week and a half ago, whatever it was. Did a did a podcast with them and uh, they hosted, so they had us on their show. 
And it was an absolute blast. I went back, excuse me, I downloaded their audio show and listened to it. Oh, I think it was last week, earlier last week or earlier this week. And uh, yeah, that sounded like we had a heck of a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really no, did. It was it an was, absolute hoot. It was a I lot just, of fun. I struggle with being on shows and not hosting. I couldn't quit flipping fr- fidgeting. I never could get comfortable. I think I was just, I was sitting at the table. I should have just been sitting here at the desk. I'd oh, yeah, a lot you were more sitting at the table. Yeah, but, we we're sitting at the table. Yeah, and then yeah. I moved to the desk, and I didn't realize when I switched microphones that the I needed to back the preamps off because then I was blowing out the audio. It sounded pretty bad. Yeah, so. I was gonna say something, but I was like, "Eh, we're already balls deep into this shit anyway." <laughs> so, you know, let's just <laughs> let's just roll with the punches here, I guess. Yep. Because um, it seemed like tell me if tell me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like. The 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 longer the gap between you speaking silence and speaking again, like going into that next segment of you talking, like the mic was just so sensitive going into that into yeah. that first statement because it would just be like, blah, and then and then it yeah. would and then it would level off, and then it would like you could you could hear the microphone like climb back down to. Uh, yeah, I think there was a level. setting I needed to tweak somewhere, either in StreamYard or I. Like I know auto, what it was. I had adjustment. a yeah, I had a limiter on. I was using my Zoom H6 for an audio interface instead of my Rodecaster, and I had a li- limiter set on it for like two and a half decibels, minus two and a half decibels, and I think that's what it was. I'd hit that as soon as I started speaking, and then it would just kind of slowly back me down so I wouldn't hit it again. And it sounded a little funky, but yeah, it was definitely peaking. So that was my bad. Anybody that listened to that show and they thought they were hearing a walrus talk when it was actually me, I apologize. Um, (laughs) It sounded, it sounded way better uh, with the audio uploaded versus live on stream or live on the recording. It Um, did. Yeah. I noticed it did. I tried to watch it and it was impossible. So it was, it was, it was pretty good, but I, and so. on my side of things, if you guys are on YouTube watching this right now, and if you're just listening to the audio form of the podcast, there is uh, maybe the sound, uh, like, what is it called? Sound something. Echo got cancellation. Little, got a little uh, bit of room reflection going on. Yeah, because in the background, you can see all my shelves are empty, the walls are bare, and everything. I am finally moving out of my current office situation and moving my office up into the loft um so as of right now all i've got is an empty shell of what was once my man cave um so it it is what it is but i'm i'm really excited about going up to that loft it'll feel a little bit more cozy um Mm -hmm. quite literally because there's going to be a bed up there so it's going to feel like a bedroom almost and maybe the bed will provide some noise cancellation or absorption whatever i don't know we'll find out but i'm really excited to get up there uh it's just a matter of my wife is a school teacher and she this is her last year teaching as 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 a teacher um and so if if any of you guys know anything about teachers a lot of the stuff that they acquire over the years is stuff that they've paid for out of pocket. So the majority of anything and everything that's in her classroom that she's accumulated over the last six years is all hers. Um, So she's been given away a lot of it for free, you know, just in the, in the break room at her school, but a lot of stuff she's taken home because we're going to be starting a family here soon. Trying we're in the, uh, we are in the, uh, 
in the uh, trial and error phase right now. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so it's like, let's keep all these books. Let's keep all these, 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 these toys, you know, the thing that teaches you to tie your shoes, the, the, the pickup sticks mm-hmm. and the, the, the games that, that little small children like, like, let's keep all of those because that, that should save us some money as you know, a single income household in those early years. So she's just got a giant pile of miscellaneous <laughs> early yeah. childhood items up in the loft. And we yeah. have yet to figure out where to even put them. So that's, that's the first obstacle we got to get over. And then eventually I will lug this big fat desk up there with my yep. computer and all that. But yeah, so if there's a little bit of echo, I apologize. If it's a little bit bland in the background, you can eat my ass. I don't care. Um, so anyway. Well, I'm not going to do that, but I appreciate the sentiment. Um, <sighs> and then, of course, you know, due to an unfortunate <clears throat> grooming incident on the part of myself, I no longer have the old mustache going. So, and I kind of oh. like the, yeah, it's just, I'm kind of thinking of growing the chin beard, but at the same time, i kind of liked being clean shaven i don't look quite as ancient and uh you know it's like i told the told your mom i said you know i'm no longer channeling my inner white goodman from dodgeball anymore <laughs> she i said, just yeah. thought i just thought you looked uglier <laughs> because of the 1080p that we're now yeah, sporting that might be it too you, <laughs> you can see get all the blemishes back. and shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Anyway, we're actually here now that we've got all the pleasantries out of the way, guys. Um, we're yes. here to hang out and uh, listen to and take a look at uh, a press conference that Matt Roll did. I think it was Tuesday morning after uh, spring practice. So some interesting, I kind of caught a little bit of it. I didn't watch all of it, but I did record it so that we could actually sit here. And this episode is, in essence, going to be called Gen Red Reacts, where we kind of take a a press conference that grabs our attention and uh, take a look at it and react kind of real time as we watch it. So this may be a little stop and starty. We don't know how it's all going to go. We're going to be very organic with this, but we're hoping this inspires some interesting conversation because for me, Matt rule is an extremely interesting philosophical guy. He's a guy that just has an idea of how he wants to do things and he brings people around him who want to do things the exact same way. And, uh, Shoot, Damon Benning was just on on uh, No Block No Rock. I don't know if you heard that show, but he no, he yet. dropped the uh, dreaded K word. He said, "You know, if y'all want to drink the Kool Aid," he says, "I'm here to tell you, drink up because I think this is the right guy." So, Ooh. Benning's no pretty measured. Kool-Aid. Yeah, I know. No and Benning's yet. usually a pretty measured guy, so I'm hoping I'm hoping he's right. Anyway. <laughs> So let's get into this press conference a little bit, Scott. And of course, as we talked about before, if something grabs your attention, just give me a high sign or say, hey, pause it for a sec. And uh, we'll talk. So off we go. All right. What y'all got? Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, You know, I think, you know, we've had recruits here every single single day from that first Monday. you know, we want to be open. Um, I thought a big part of it was, you know, we had uh, a lot of former Cornhusker football players here this past weekend. So it was great to host them. You know, I think anytime you have two Heisman Trophy winners at our practice, it's pretty cool, you know. <laughs> and uh, 
Um, so I thought it was just a great vibe all around. Lots of high school coaches, a ton of recruits and their families, uh, former players. Um, it was a really good weekend. And, you know, I think in recruiting, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people are curious, right? So, you know, everywhere I go, people are kind of asking me like, you know, we're going to land this guy, land this guy. Hey, to me, you know, we don't put time frames on things. Um, we want, we wanted everyone to get here to see it, to see the staff, to see the campus to see the opportunity, to see the new building right behind us, uh, to sort of see everything, and then hopefully we can get them back for the spring game or for official visits, and uh, we'll, we'll have a good class. Was that, was that the biggest Yeah, I think the thing that I had, you know, I think the thing at, at, uh, even at Temple, like we had a lot of great players come through there because it was right in Philadelphia. Uh, Baylor was right in the middle of Texas. So I think we always had a lot of good players come through, but that, you know, that was a really fine group that we had coming through this weekend. Really, really great families, uh, really cool people. The thing that we don't do is, uh, we don't, I don't, we don't really recruit. You know, we don't, you know, we're not trying to talk slick. We're not trying to tell everybody, you know, you know, things that they want to hear. You know, we very simply talk about our program, how we're going to do things, what we're built upon, and also our vision for each person and what it'll be like when they're here. So it's really transparent. Uh, it's not for everybody, but um, I think a lot of guys will find that uh, they'll want to come to a place like this, come to Nebraska. Perfect stop. I like it. <laughs> I figured it grabbed your attention. I saw your eyes light up there. What, what's on your mind? I love that philosophy. I don't like the salesman pitch, the we're going to try and sell this to you like a used car salesman, uh, like just trying to sell you some grandiose idea mm -hmm. you know like just just let it organically happen just tell them this is who we are this is what we're about if you don't like it then you know don't let the door hit you on the way out um and mm -hmm. and maybe that's a little bit of a of a you know that's probably misrepresentative but you know a little bit of a of like hyperbole or whatever but um I just like the philosophy of just being completely organic and just, this is, this is what we got going on. That's all there mm -hmm. is to it. We, the, the first thing that I think we want as, as a Husker fan base is we want somebody to want to be here first, like mm -hmm. just based on their impression of who we are. Not that they've said all of the right words and approached them in all of the right ways in such a manipulative way that convinces them through some form of manipulative psychology that this is the place that they're supposed to be. Just let them, let them be a human. Let them be an individual that can, that yeah. can think and that can observe and can make a judgment call and be discriminatory in, in a way that's natural to them and not, some way that we want them to be so mm -hmm. if that's mm -hmm. if that's what they're getting at i already love it yeah i i can't remember if it's this because i did listen to this this uh press conference a little bit and i apologize folks you're not going to be able to hear very clearly the questions that are being asked i tried to find a version of the press conference where i could hear the questions there wasn't one to be found so apologies there uh, but I don't remember if it's this press conference or his opening spring press conference where he said he likes having recruits here and have them watch practice. He wants them to see who he is and how he conducts himself on the practice field and how his coaches coach. 
Because if you don't see how that works, a kid gets surprised if they come in and they're not realizing they're going to get coached really, really hard, you know, or they're going to get tossed off of a drill machine like AJ Allen was earlier this week when he wasn't running the drill the way EJ Barthel wanted it run. And some people on Twitter kind of freaked. They were like, no, what is he doing? We can't do that. We got to, this guy was a four star, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no attention to detail was the crap that got us into trouble. Every single time we lose a close game, it was a detail that we were missing. It was a defense that couldn't quite get lined up. It was an offense that couldn't quit shooting itself in the flipping foot. It was always something. And if there's anything I've noticed about the philosophy of these coaches is they're trying to figure out how to get rid of the always something. So that's my 10,000 foot view on what, on what rule was saying there. And I think it's important. I think you're right. I think the philosophy is right down the middle of what it needs to be. Let these kids see what they need to see. Don't pitch them anything other than the fact that you get to rep the end, just like we're repping the end. And if you want to rep the end, we'd love to have you here to do it. So. Well said. All righty. Let's move on. Is that Ramir Johnson? Okay. I think so. Um, you know, I, I think when you go back two years ago, you see Ramir as, you yeah. know, really, really yeah. a productive player. Um, I've been really, really happy with him. I've been happy with him all off season. Uh, but I think he's had a really, really good camp. You know, had I think he had like a, I don't know what, what period it was. I think the first, maybe the first play, I think he had like a 60-yard run the other day. I think the thing with Ramir is he's quiet. Um uh, he does what I, you know, Christian McCaffrey used to say to me, you know, uh, he wished that players would, you know, the best players play loud. And so, uh, Ramir so far is playing loud. Um, excellent outside zone runner, but running with power, picks up blitzes, can run all of our, you know, our, our halfback passing game is, you know, there's a lot of option routes, a lot of things that require some depth. And, um, he's picking it up really well, really coachable. And um, an excellent guy all throughout the program. You know, I think if you talk to anybody, everyone likes him. So really happy with him. I think he has a ton of roles. Today we had a couple of receivers down. You know, asked him. And he said, "Hey, said, hey, be ready to go out and play in the slot." I think he's a guy that could do all of that. How do you get hey, okay, I want to say something here. Yep, go ahead. So something that's interesting that I noticed that has some continuity with what Rule has talked about before, which is he wants to build a team that does the right things, not says the right things, does, does the right mm-hmm. things. When nobody's looking, you know, carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. And he just reinforced that by just his observation of Ramir. This seems like a coaching staff that they don't care how much bravado you got. They don't care how loud you are. They just want to, they want, they focus on the details of how you act when you are given the opportunity to do yep. something. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he just pointed out that Ramir is the type of football player that he's really quiet, but you but give him the ball loud. and he, he plays <laughs> loud. Yep. This is, yep. I, I feel like this gives me uh rest, uh, not rest assurance. It, it validates my feelings about m- how I felt about Ramir for the last few years. It's like, mm-hmm. where is he? What is he doing? Like, we're, we're, like, why don't we see him as much as, as I would expect to see him? And 
maybe I'm reading too much into it, but maybe it's because he didn't have the bravado that our previous coaching staff was looking for. Could maybe be. he was yeah. too quiet. Maybe they didn't trust him. You know, maybe maybe because he couldn't talk the talk, then how are we supposed to know that he's going to walk the walk when when the lights are shining on him? Well, and, let's be honest. Last year, he was he was the victim of an offensive coordinator that could have given six craps from Sunday about running the football, except for a couple of simple zone plays left and right. He did not care about running the football. So I think I think Ramir got lost in the shuffle because maybe he wasn't picking up the passing game as quickly as they needed him to for Whipple's offense, and they had Trey Palmer. I mean, we went four and eight last year without Trey Palmer. What's our record? One and 11, two and 10, maybe, maybe. So, uh, Ramir was a guy that was just left to the side. And there was a press conference with him that I did watch. And he was asked that question why, where, where'd you go last year? Why did it go the way it did? And he wouldn't, he refused to throw the previous staff under the bus. So, he's a high character kid, too. Love he just it. said, Well, it is what it is. And it was what it was. And I just kept working, kept working until I got my shot. So love good kid. kid. Good kid. That's why he's still um, here. That's yep. why he's still here. He, if he was a guy that was looking for the spotlight and was looking for validation of who he thinks he is, he would have left a long time ago. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. At, it speaks, it speaks volumes with his, well, his loud, his loud <laughs> character on the field is just yep. like, well, he's still here. He's still here. Um, and, Oh God, I would just love to see him next year. But that's all that's or this year, this year. Um, that's all I noticed there. That was the first thing that stood mm -hmm. out to me when he made those comments was just like, oh my gosh, the pieces of the puzzle make a lot more sense now. And maybe I'm being a dick. Maybe I'm assuming <laughs> too much malevolence from our previous coaching staff. But it's just like, well, I mean, no, I'm not even going to go down that road. I'm I'm not going to. Sure, you know, I I know what you're saying though. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. I yep. think uh, I think you could be onto something there. But you know, it's a new day. It's a new dawn. I uh, my favorite picture that I have right now is on my phone, and it's a sunset behind Memorial Stadium. And the way I look at it is, the sun has set on what we knew. The sun's rising on what we're about to know, and I'm good enough with that. I don't need to keep focusing on the sunset. So anyway, um, let's move on. Yep. Oh, I don't, yeah. I, I, the, one of the best players I ever played, ever, ever coached is Stefan Gilmore. Uh, the quietest guy, one of the quietest guys I've ever been around. Um, one of the benefits of playing, I think for our staff is that we don't try to change who you are. A lot of coaches want you to fit in this cookie cutter mold. You know, I think it's, I think it's really affecting young people. I, I got guys on this team, like they, they're into photography, they're into cooking, they're into this. And then they go to these other places that want them just to be a football player. These guys aren't football players. They're young people who play football. And so I want them to be themselves. And so, you know, we, we, we traded for CJ Henderson in Carolina. It's quiet. A guys have ever been around. Um, I don't need spokespeople. I need leaders. I don't need people who are, you know, great in front of the camera. I think, Both you know, a lot of people soon. talk about a lot of our videos. If you notice in our videos that we post, and I'm proud to post those, they're always of us working. They're never of us talking, right? They're always of us working. And that's the program is built on work. It's not built on hype. Uh, Ramir doesn't have to change anything about himself, uh, personality wise. Just has to play loud, you know, play, you know, make plays. <laughs> there There's we go. some red meat in there, isn't there? Is it like, I feel like, I feel like my, I feel like my compass was aimed in the right direction before all of that. 
So, yep. Yeah, there's some good stuff in there. I love that line. That line, we don't need guys to be spokespersons. We need leaders. I love that because that's, in essence, how Nebraska got so great back in the 90s was they finally established team leadership and the team made each other accountable. Uh, And I think that's what made them great and what made them play as well as they did and how they were able to overcome a lot of the adversity that they did at times. There's no reason on planet earth that that 1994 team should have won a national championship when they got down to a third string quarterback for two games. There's no reason for it, but we did because the team was strong and the leadership was strong. So yeah, that's some red meat for me. I love that. There was a there was a situation I had in the Marine Corps that was well it wasn't a situation it was something I observed that I thought was really neat so one of the things that you could basically learn universally not only in the Marine Corps but I think in just life in general is that if somebody says I need a leader to volunteer for this who's up for the gig and the first person to raise their hand is the last person you want. Mm. Um, because hmm. they just, they have an ego. They have an ego. They think they are the answer to everything. They think they've got it all figured out. And there was a field op I was on where a staff sergeant said, hey, I need a volunteer for this uh, execution we're doing. Um, and, the, and the first person raised his hand, he's like, definitely not you. He's like, all right, who least wants to do this? And they raised <laughs> their hand. They were like, all right, come over here. He's like, you're not leading this. I just want you to help the guy who I want to have lead. Who wants to lead but is hesitant to Mm. and then there was a few guys that raised their hands and he pointed to one of them and he says you why are you hesitating to lead this and he's just like i don't want to mess up he's like perfect you're a good leader Mm. um and it's just like uh i'll let i'll let those cards fall to the listeners how they how they want to interpret that but i think that is exactly I, I, I would I would bet money that that's probably how our coaching staff is running things right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's keep let's keep plugging along here. There's some good stuff upcoming too. Yeah, Matt, were there any position changes you made with the guys? Maybe you guys throw some guys in gray jerseys. Yeah. Yeah, the gray jersey guys are guys kind of you know, do, do, doing two ways, uh, playing both ways for us. So Jaleel, you know, the numbers went down at wide out. Uh, he came over and gave us some reps at wide receiver today. So he's still playing defensive back, but also playing receiver. Uh, AJ uh, Rollins, I mean, he's gone over a couple times as a defensive lineman. I think he's probably had the most sacks on the team. So um, he wow. practiced with the D-line today, but also can give us reps at tight end. So um, I think he has – I personally think he has a real future there. You know, I don't make guys move. I think he's feeling his way, but he's a great, great, great – kid you know he's kind of like i say kid he's a young man he's a great young man he's sort of like hey what what you know what do you think is best so we've kind of been playing him both ways over the last couple weeks and then we put him over on defense but kept the gray jersey on him um just in case we need to move him over to offense you know that way jay's not having to run a penny out there so i think those would be two main ones i don't know if there's anything else keith yeah so um but even in the position position changes yeah i don't i don't think i think that's it so um you know it's one of the challenges I, I've told the team is um, this is such a great group of guys and they don't want to make a mistake 
And playing football and being good at football and practicing is about making a lot of mistakes and correcting the mistakes. The key is to not make repetitive mistakes. So uh, trying to get them just to kind of relax a little bit and, you know, everything's new for them. We go out there today. Today was, you know, I, sometimes you see me, I have to call them all up and talk to them. Like, hey, calm down. This is the drill. Some coaches are new. Um, so we're, we're kind of still feeling our way. I could see a couple more position changes probably in the near future with some guys um, just to help them get on the field. <laughs> A.J. Rollins. That's an interesting one that he got moved to defensive line and now he's supposedly leading the team in sacks so far. It, it reinforces for me this idea that this uh, claim that we have heard all along since Rule was kind of on the radar and then got hired, that he is a guy that is not afraid to grab athletes that are really good that he thinks could fit somewhere other than the, than where they're playing and builds up enough trust between him and them that they're willing to make that move. You can't make that move unless you trust the guy that's asking you to move, that he's doing the best thing for you. And he's done it numerous times. There's two or three people in the NFL now that are playing in a position that they did not get recruited to when they went to college and ended up playing for rule. So, um, anyway, I thought, I just thought that was a, that was really interesting. Yep. Nope. That's, I don't have anything to input on that. That's, that's, uh, that's what I would say. Alrighty. On we go. Yeah, so when, when I was at Temple, it started when I was the offensive coordinator at Temple. Um, Al Golden was the head coach, and then I, I did it when I was the head coach about. there, and I did it was the head coach at Baylor. Hey, guys, great to see you. <laughs> that was the head coach at Baylor. Um, I love that. And then, like, Willie Taggart took it to Oregon when he went there, so it kind of became something. But I got really tired of having a guy in my program who – had spent three years in like number 47, was getting ready to play and wanted to wear number one or number three, and he had earned it, and we would give it to a recruit. So uh, what we decided was, you know what, one through nine, and now zero through nine, would, would go to the, you know, the nine or now ten toughest guys on the team. And when I say toughest, you know, we define that for the guys, but really the guys who best exemplify what it means uh, you know, to, to be a Cornhusker, right? To, to be accountable, to be dependable, to be tough, hardworking, competitive every single day. And so as we get into training camp, um, those, you know, we'll vote on it. Uh, it won't be the coaches. The players will vote on it. And we hope it kind of becomes our tradition. So while as wow. we have wholeheartedly <laughs> embraced uh, all the great traditions that are here, hopefully this will be something new that people will get into. And there will be a long line of, you know, guys who, you know, earn that, <laughs> earn that jersey number. Um, a lot of respect for the guys that were in those single-digit jerseys because they, you know, it's not fun to have your number taken away. But I think the cool thing now is as recruits say it to me, as guys say it to me, can I wear number three? Absolutely. Just have to earn it. And there's no delineation, right? The first guy that we vote in, he picks whichever number he wants. The second guy, he picks whatever number he wants. And over time, at least at Temple, like, hey, the number sixes were all kind of this position. The number threes were all DBs, you know. I've had freshmen earn it. I've had seniors earn it. I've had – Times where we didn't get to all nine, unfortunately, early on, we'll have we'll have we'll have nine or ten guys here. There's there's plenty of guys who deserve those numbers. Nice. So thoughts. Um, my first question, because I didn't hear it clarified, he said ten guys. So does that mean because right now in college football you can have duplicate numbers on a team so long as some of them are on offense and the others are on defense? So does that mean there's only going to be ten guys throughout the entire team? They get to wear a single digit. I think that would be a good thing, to be honest with you. It'd be kind of like black shirt tradition. 
That was so. what I was thinking. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, so what is I think that adds a lot of uh, pageantry to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think if uh, Matt Rule had, let's just say, for intellectual exercise sake, let's just say he had a son on the team, I don't think he would uh, deviate from that very much like a, a coach. <laughs> I don't remember what his name is, but there's some other team that's irrelevant in the country right now that's that's doing kind of the same thing. But, of course, there's an exception or something. I don't know. There's nepotism. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Some, something. Prime rib, coach prime rib. Yeah. Oh yeah, that yeah, guy. The guy yeah, with the cowboy right. hat and the sweatpants tucked in the top of his two hundred and fifty dollar Lucchese boots. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that's who yeah, it was. Sorry, I just substance. don't. I just you know whatever. Living rent free, I guess. <laughs> it's all good. I think it's <laughs> funny though. I do think it's funny. But yeah, yeah, no. I I I like the idea of of that being a new tradition. I really do. I think it's going to be. I think it's, it's certainly going to make for competitive, competitive practices for guys who really want those numbers. So, yep. yeah, because I mean, really, really, there's only three things you ever wear as a football player. Mm-hmm. You wear the uniform, you wear your name. Sometimes you at least wear your your name or the name of the of the uh, the university that you play for, and you wear mm-hmm. a number. Those mm-hmm. are your three standing identities on the field at any given time as an individual, but still a part of a team unit. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I've always found numbers interesting. I mean, anytime I've played NCAA, my running back has the number 69. Duh. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. All righty then. <laughs> Moving on. Casey. Um, I hate that I don't have that correct answer. He's not throwing with us yet, so they might. They might. They talked last week about beginning a progression, but I'm not sure the exact date. So I will say Casey's doing a wonderful job of uh, like he's kind of become like a coach. Like he he know he's in there every night working. He he knows the progressions as well as anybody. The depths. I mean, he's he's uh, really a smart guy who's putting a lot of time in. Jeff Sims. Yeah, you know, I think like he's probably like everyone else. He's he's trying to learn the system, learn the footwork. Everything's new for him. Um, you know, I think Jeff brings a dynamic element into the game in that he can throw and run and is really smart and is a great teammate. I think the guys all really like him. I think he has natural leadership capabilities. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does. You know, I, I think uh, – you know, we, we've kind of every day has been a little bit different. You know, we started off throwing it, and then Thursday we ran it a ton to get because first damn pad. Saturday we mixed it. Uh, today we finished with you know. Okay. If they see the opportunity, yes. yeah. The hardest thing about being the head coach is no one really wants to talk to me. Coaches and staff, they all say I'm um, I'm uh, hard to approach. Do I seem hard <laughs> to approach to you guys? I mean, like I don't think so. So, but uh, I've had guys come in. You know, I mean, I've, had, I've had guys come in and say, I really think I want to play receiver. And I say, go play receiver then, you know. Um, I think I think I'm trying to be, you know, you know sometimes, you know, you, you think you are and you're not. I think we're really, really direct and honest with guys. So the good news is, is that we say, hey, I think you really have a future here. I hope they believe it because if I, if I think they're in the wrong position, I'll tell them that too. So 
Um, but I've had guys come to me and say, Hey coach, can I, can I play this? Can I play that? Um, you know, like we, you know, we moved Bonner from wide out to like an F tight end type of a guy. And, um, I mean, I think it's, it's been a dynamic move for him. I can see him really having a future there. So one great thing about spring is we, we can move somebody. And if, if it's not right, it's not working out, they can always go back. So, um, Hopefully we, you know, like, again, that's why we spend so much time with the guys and eat together and hang out together so that they feel comfortable. And if it's not comfortable talking to me, they can go to somebody else. And uh, hopefully we have that sort of dynamic within the staff. I got a real quick, quick thing. Yep. Go ahead. It was a very minute detail, but it's something that I've noticed a trend in a lot of his press conferences is that this man's got some humility. Um, mm-hmm. He's not afraid to stand in front of the press and and admit potential fault for something that he wants to be held accountable for. Yep. The small comment he made about, "I like to think that we are this way. Maybe we're not, but we're trying to be." Almost throwing a bone to not only the press but also his guys who I'm sure are watching these press conferences. Like, you know, sure. it's like I might not, you might, you might not want to approach me, or you might not, you know, trust me quite yet. But here's a bone. Like, I'm a coachable person. Mm-hmm. No, no coach. You know, a coach is coachable. That's it's a full circle. A coach is coachable because he can coach and is coachable. So on and so forth. Um, and. That's just such a, a breath of fresh air because it, it shows humility. It shows the introspective nature of our coach that he can look and and constantly analyze his own faults. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is a very, very powerful growth mindset to have as anybody for any reason. Um, so that was just a tiny detail I noticed. Did you have – other thoughts that you had about what he was talking about? Yeah, I just, I find it refreshing as well. The transparency, uh, the fact that, that uh, you're going to know what's going on with players. You don't have this big super secret sauce crap that's going on behind the scenes or you don't have and staff cohesiveness has been interesting because generally anybody and everybody on that staff that's been talking, they're basically about in the same line. You're not getting the whole, Mark Whipple angle at the beginning of spring last year where he named Casey the starter and Frost is like, well, no, nobody's earned this job yet, but we all knew Casey was going to be the starter, right? So you don't have that kind of bad juju in the program right now, bad feelings, maybe some hard feelings. These guys are all pulling the same direction. I thought that was an interesting comment when he said, wow, my guys say that they're a little, that, that they think that I'm a little unapproachable. Do you guys think that I'm unapproachable? But wow, what a self-deprecating thing to ask the press corps, um, and as well as put it out there for his guys. Hey, if you guys think I'm unapproachable, I'm going to publicly mention it um, to let you know that I heard you. You know, and I thought oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. Maybe, I, maybe I'm reading into it by saying that, but I think that's cool. I think it's so cool that he said that because, quite frankly, um, you know, he's he's the anti-frost. <laughs> <laughs> he really is the way there's he's a, running his program a is day difference completely different you know I, I we'll see how how does he respond after the first loss you know will he get defensive i doubt it all the indications are he won't um well it, if, it should if, be, you, if you should ask be redcast rob mm-hmm. we're not losing <laughs> yeah. so i don't know how we we should ask Redcast Rob that question. We should we should tweet at him and be like, "Hey, 
how do you think Matt Rule is going to react to his first loss? He's going to be like 16 and 0 baby, national yeah. champions. Yeah, he'll be <laughs> dumping the Kool-Aid on himself in the shower like he does on TikTok all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I almost put that I almost put that video in here but decided not to. Um so should we move on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's <laughs> We're go. good. All right. Uh, yeah, um, yes. <laughs> um, you know, even you guys saw me when I brought him up, you know, at, at the beginning, like, you know, uh, you know, to me, the, the, the greatest measure of a man is his consistency. And so, you know, like, you know, I, I told him the analogy of the Navy SEALs, you know, you get the Navy SEALs, they go to buds, they, you know, they get to hell week, you know, you get the best of the best. Everybody can do it for a day. It's just who can withstand the volume. You know, Mike Lombardi, who wrote the book Great Iron Genius, he he taught this to our staff years ago. Like, who has the competitive stamina to be able to do it day after day after day? This is typically the worst practice in my history is the Tuesday after the first week. You know, you go four practices. You have the adrenaline that first Saturday. I thought they did a pretty good job. You know, I challenged them right there. Like, hey, what's this going to look like? Challenge the coaches. I think the players are getting used to the fact that I'll challenge the coaches. I'll challenge myself, you know, like so um, – so while the newness, yeah, the newness is worn off and now it's just about the like, hey, can we grind out the details, you know? And so, um, uh, we have a good group of guys. Um, and I do think the fact that we have so many guys out for spring football allows us to have a lot of competition periods and competition is what these guys really want, right? Um, you know, they, they've grown up playing games, playing video games, playing, or, you know, maybe some of us grew up just kind of playing out back. They've played in organized leagues and all that their whole lives. So, like, they know competition. And so um, we're trying to have to keep it fresh that way. Yeah, well, uh, th- this Saturday will be one of our scrimmage days. Um, you know, what exactly that looks like, you know, if that's full the whole time or if that's halfway. You know, we only have 12 offensive linemen. Um, so what, what exactly that looks like. But there'll be, you know, we did some live work on Saturday. That was one of our – NCA basically has no contact, contact, partial tackling, and scrimmage days. They have four categories of days and a certain amount. So today was like a no – today was a contact but no tackling day. Thursday will be – you can do some tackling. I haven't always done that, but you can. Saturday will be some live work. Hopefully we can get over in the stadium and um, do a little bit in there. Any thoughts on those comments? <laughs> I just am still just I'm still just enamored and refreshed with just the the level of precise thought that he goes into um, mm-hmm. and communicates it like it's just I've watched tons of pressers with previous coaching staff and they would kind of allude to some more meatier details but like it's just time and time again with this guy. He just continues to, it's almost like he gives you insight to the practices without actually seeing them. You can kind of imagine, you can paint a picture of what's actually happening in practice through his words, which I mean, that's a skill set in and of itself. He's a great yep. communicator, clearly. Um, but it's just, I'm just still just pretty pretty stoked with the fact that he can communicate those scenarios so well. And have you noticed this too? This is something that I've noticed a trend. And I think I've heard a couple of press uh, media guys mention it on probably hail varsity or something. 
Matt Rule has an ability to take a question that is asked and anticipate what could be the follow-up question and already answer it before it's ever asked. You notice that? Yes. He'll, he'll answer yeah. something and then he'll go on kind of to the next natural topic that might be a follow-up and just go ahead and divulge the information. Here you go. This is what I'm about. This is how we do things. And I, I, I love the transparency. I love the, uh, the matter of fact. Don't BS around. Don't mess around. Let's just, we're just going to get this done. We're going to work hard. We're going to do, and <laughs> we're going to let you know when guys like Anthony Grant screw up and they're not on the team for a while. We're going to let you know that too. So, uh, just, just amazing. I, I appreciate the transparency, uh, cause we certainly didn't see a whole lot of that at least the last five years. Yep. Um, so anyway, on we go. I think that's probably a low, in all seriousness, I mean, this, I think it's probably a low number at Nebraska because you guys are used to having 200 guys on the roster, 150. I think having 12 linemen this time of year is about what I'm kind of used to, you know. So um, I think we have three great, like, or three or four great walk-on offensive linemen that are just, I mean, I think Dylan Parrott's a guy that could, could play. I mean, he could develop and he could play. Uh, Keegan Menning is a guy that can, that can help us, you know, so, um, uh, uh, you know, Ezra Miller's been banged up, but, uh, I think, you know, he, he's a guy that could help us. And, uh, Jersey, my guy from Jersey, man, see, you know, like he, he's fantastic. Like he's a great dude and he can play, he can help us. So, you know, we don't have, we're one of those, we're lucky in that we don't have to say like, I've been every year I've been in spring football. It's like, don't ever let that guy in the drill with Nash. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about that. So we're able to mix three groups and roll three groups and they're, they're grinding hard for us. Um, we're, we're bringing some guys in. You know, um, but we'll always look for, especially as we as we want to have the best walk on program in football. Always looking for big guys in, in the walk on program who can develop. Um, I think the second part of your question was what? Uh, uh, you know, Gunner's done a great job. I mean, he's having to play, you know, left tackle, which is the hardest position to learn. Um, he's going against good players. I'm really really excited about where he is as a young player. Um, I mean, obviously he's got a long way to go, but I've seen a lot of young players be overwhelmed, especially at that position. And then Jacob, um, you know, Jacob, ha Jacob has had a lot happen, you know, just from a, you know, he had some medical things he had to get done. Uh, just, we have, we have just some uh, tremendous medical help here. I mean, Drew Hamlin has stepped in and um, done a great job. And so he's, he got back and um, I think he's, you know, he's, he's, he's coming, you know, he's got a lot of work to do, but he's coming. Yep, he was out there. Yep. There we go. That's Grant. He's in good, good standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's no, there's never a bad standing with me, right? Like if, if, if you haven't done something or there's something that causes me to say, hey, you can't practice. It's real simple for me. Like if, if, um, if you have a pulled hamstring, you can't practice. Doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means you can't practice. If something's happened like academically or socially or anything like that. And I say, hey, right now you can't practice. Doesn't mean I don't love you, right? And that's, I think that's one of the big things, you know, like uh, that, that we want the guys to understand. Like we're gonna, we're gonna correct actions, but we always gonna love the guys. I love Anthony. Um, you know, it's an adjustment, man. He's, you know, he's, he was here, he was somewhere else, and then he was here. I think he was somewhere else. Then he was somewhere else. Then he was here. It's a lot of different changes, and so he's getting used to us. And but he's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, yeah, so we're, you know, he's obviously a little bit behind, and I'm not going to not give those other guys the reps because, I tell you, we have it. We, I mean, 
I don't know what the rest of the Big Ten running back rooms look like, but we got a pretty good running back room now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gabe, Gabe Irvin's doing some really, 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 really powerful good things, and A.J. Allen's hitting some big, big runs. And So um, we have a good running back room. You know, We talked about uh, Ramir. Um, we talked about Anthony. Uh, Trevin Lubin does a great job for us. So um, I'm forgetting one person. Emmett, Emmett's a, Emmett's a, you can see the point guard in Emmett, right? Like he's a, he's a ball carrier. So I think actually a couple of you guys I was standing on the sideline with, I talked about how much I liked Emmett. So we got a good room. <laughs> there he goes again, answering three questions when only one was asked, right? He started with the yeah. offensive line. He ends up with running back and yeah, just amazing. The candor, the openness, uh, all that stuff is just so refreshing. So refreshing. And again, here we are. We're, we're in spring. We've still got fall ball to go. We've still got the first loss that's going to come. There is one. What, what rule are we going to get in the first loss? And I'm not saying that from a standpoint of thinking, well, see, he's got all sunshine and roses now, but wait till he loses. And then he's going to be a different guy. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I'll be curious to see how he handles it. If it's with the same candor openness and saying, oops, we didn't prep right, or we didn't do this part right, or we didn't see that, and that's completely on us as coaches. And if he's the kind of guy that doesn't throw his kids under the bus, like, I don't know, certain people used to quite often, uh, I'll have a lot of respect for that. But, uh, yeah, the candor and the openness is just striking. Yep. I have nothing to add to that. That is perfect. <laughs> Alrighty. We are watching and listening to the Matt Rule press conference from Tuesday. We've just got a few more minutes to go. A couple of more comments, some pretty interesting stuff here that I think he closes out with. That's they're, they're doing like uh, circuits, just defensive circuits. So um, I think we just try to pair up, make sure like there's two really big guys. You know, what we don't want to do is go. What we can't do is go. Normally, you just go, hey, skill um, DBs, because we have more DBs than any team in the country right now. So DBs, linebackers, bigs. So we just kind of move them around, just pair guys up. So um, yeah, we have some like when we rotate it, we have some like we call it A, B, and C, but those change like. I, I told the guys, I really believe this. Like, I, I can't even begin to think about a depth chart until the fall. In fact, I tell the staff all the time, please do not evaluate their technical skills and drills and, like, all oh, this guy, he can do this, he can't do that yet. Try to improve it. We will look at, like, skill set and traits, like, where well, this guy's explosive, this guy's twitchy. But, you know, you in our system, you come in. We're teaching the offense and defense right now, right? And then over the summer, we'll try to improve it. Then in training camp, fall camp, we'll try to perfect it. And then the season, we'll try to execute it. So that's why I said a lot of the players are getting like this, like, why am I not? I'm like, because you've done it for four days, you know, the same thing with the coaches. So I'm, I'm really taking that methodical, detailed, like, hey, don't. The worst thing you can do is write a player off. It's the worst thing that you can do because there's there, there's guys on our team right now that are probably sitting in that locker room that are walk-ons that are like, man, am I ever going to play here? Then, man, I'm going to turn to them in the middle of the season and be like, I need you to go do this, and they're going to go do it. And and so um, our job as coaches is to coach everybody, right? And then as we get into the season and all that, you know, uh, things will happen. And we will be a little different than what has happened the last couple of years. Like I, if we're playing the same 11 guys on defense all game, I'm going to – I'm going to lose my mind, right? I want to be playing 18, 19, 20 guys on defense. I want to play, you know, we're not going to just come out in one personnel grouping. So I got to get a lot of guys ready. That's why I'm moving guys around, trying different positions. And then every once in a while you stay, stay up, stumble onto an AJ who goes over to defense and just 
you're like, well, holy smokes, look at this. So, um, so that's why it's not truly a depth chart, but we do have to organize each practice and we try to rotate it a little bit and see what's what. All right. It's great to see everybody. Thank you guys. All right. So that was Matt rule at his Tuesday press conference. And, uh, as we've been saying all along the con candor, the openness, the willingness to answer things that aren't even asked. <laughs> it's just, just amazing. Um, that last little bit there where he's talking about moving people and coming up with best places to put guys. And then he mentions AJ Rollins again. He, that's not because he just feels like talking about AJ. There's an impression that's been made there by that young man. And I have a feeling maybe we've got a guy, maybe this is Cody Glenn part two, just from tight end to rush end or outside linebacker, as opposed to, you know, Cody going from running back to will backer or strong side backer, whatever it was when he was with Bo. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, overall. My thoughts are breath of fresh air as always be curious to see how things go when we start getting into fall and things start grinding and positions start needing to be filled and, and depth charts need to be filled out and things like that. I'll be curious to see how that process goes about too, because he talked about being methodical and there's a, definitive plan. We got to do this, then this, then this, then this, then this. We're not getting out of order. We're going exactly this way and we're all going exactly this way. And I think we've needed that. <laughs> we've had chaos for far too long and I think we needed that. So your overall thoughts? Yeah. My overall thoughts would be something along the lines of if it smells good, it looks good. It feels good it probably tastes good. You know, like not saying that he's going to get us back to our glory of the nineties, but it definitely seems like we are moving in the right direction as a program at the very least. Philosophically, um, at least. Yes, yes. I completely agree. Philosophy is completely different and it's healthy in my opinion. Yes. It seems like philosophically and methodologically it is, looking like it's moving in the right direction. And I just love that. Like you said earlier, I'll, I'll, I'll hammer home on it as well. It's just like, he answers questions that aren't asked yet, or that you didn't even think to ask. Like mm -hmm. maybe, maybe there is the, you know, the press conference jitters of like, you know, uh, I don't know if I want to ask this question. Don't know how expansive he'll get. Am I just going to get a short answer and be, you know, deflected or anything like, Nope, he just lets it all go and <laughs> yep. has no problem. I mean, the dude was able to describe a complex framework of their whole plan from spring to fall in the spans of like 24 seconds. <laughs> and yeah. like, this is how we look at the guys throughout the year until we get to a depth chart. Cause we don't decide the depth chart until kickoff. Like it's right. That's a, and, that, and this is how we do that. It's just like, mm -hmm. all right, this man knows what he's talking about. Yep. It just, he just, at least at the very least, he knows what he wants Absolutely. and yeah. he knows how to communicate it. So, we will see. We will see. But, you know, it's it's getting real, real hard to not drink the Kool-Aid um, oh, when know. you've got a guy standing on the podium like that that just – he just speaks right to you and, and he speaks to you. 
not through mm-hmm. you, not around you, not at you. He speaks to you. Feels yep. very personable. So yeah, I do agree. I don't know. I I don't know uh, how he could be unapproachable. But <laughs> um, that was a curious statement for me. I'm like, wait, what? His coaches don't feel like he, they can approach him about moving players or whatever. I mean, he's all about that kind of stuff. So interesting. Yeah. And maybe interesting. maybe it was just maybe it's one of those things where he is hyper self aware, and it was just a comment he heard from one person. Could be, and yeah. was like. We can't have even one guy in the room thinking that there mm-hmm. can't be that. And so, you know, maybe I'm reading mm-hmm. way too much into it, but I mean, if that's the case, like, my God, that's a man who is connected to the room and, absolutely. and can, can read a room. So, yep, um, absolutely. Really loved um, it. Very good. I, I did too. And if I could make one suggestion, if you haven't seen it yet, Scott, or if anybody listening or watching this has not seen the video that dropped on Twitter, I believe it was yesterday about Garrett McGuire. It was kind of a deep dive into yet. Garrett McGuire. Oh my goodness. It was so good. It was really, it gave me, I was like, okay, I can see why this guy's a coach. I mean, he grew up one, literally grew up as a coach. <laughs> he, he wasn't into doing things everybody else did. He grew up in a coach's office. So uh, he's been groomed for this all his life. So I doubt he's here for much longer than two or three years, if you want to know the truth. So I think he's just going to be that good. Uh, so anyway, highly recommend. Go find that video on Garrett, Garrett McGuire. And uh, and while you do that, or before you do that, tell folks how to find you, Scott, out there on the Twitterers. Hello, fellow Husker fans and uh, <laughs> resentful Iowa Hawkeyes fans. My name is Scott. I am the son of Generation Red papa bear um yeah and you can follow me on twitter at scott genred pod that is scott with two t's the second t is silent i am the food meme aficionado of corn husker football it is definitely trademarked 100 percent um <laughs> you can follow me there um as the season kind of moves forward i'll be a little bit more active on twitter there's probably a dead period for me on twitter and that's why i'm the food meme aficionado because i'd say 70 to 80 percent of the stuff i post on twitter in the off season is, is just, just shit posts. So, um, yeah. Yep. Give me a follow on Twitter. Yep. Well, um, old Zach from uh, church of the corn. I don't know if he'd included you. He did me. He did like a, uh, NCAA tournament bracket type deal with, uh, different yeah, people on that. Facebook, on Twitter. I won first round, got smoked in the second round. So was yes. what it was, but Hey, at least I, Hey, I'm the first, Nebraska NCAA tourney participant to actually win a game, I guess. I don't know. But technically, I guess everybody in it is Nebraska anyway. So anyway, to follow the show, uh, it's at Gen Red Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And also you can listen to the audio show on your favorite podcast app by just searching for Generation Red and subscribing. Make sure you leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. It helps folks find the show there and then make us Make us really happy by liking and commenting on this video if you're watching it on YouTube. And don't be afraid to subscribe and ring the bell so you don't miss any future content. And until next time, I'm Scott. He's Ken. Together we're Generation Red. And and, uh, we're here to remind you every week that there really is no place like Nebraska now that Matt rules here. Yes, and Iowa's corn sucks. Oh, I didn't even think about one this week. Oh, dang. Um, Iowa's corn sucks, uh, earwax, uh, uh, cotton swabs, I guess. I don't know. It's the first disgusting thing I think of that I haven't said before. So, um, 
Yes. What was it I heard somebody say, or or maybe I said it when I was fiddling around on a video earlier this week and I never posted it because I was just really tired and it was goofy, but I said, Iowa's corn will always suck. Iowa's corn is never going to not suck because Iowa's corn doesn't know how to unsuck itself. <laughs> there we go. I like it. <laughs> anyway, we appreciate you guys watching and listening. Thanks again, and go Big Red. Go Big Red.